how would you like to get yourself a brand new copy of our free digital enlightened book right now? You can grab yourself a copy. The book includes insights from some of the world's top thought leaders and the core book itself. And once again, you can get yourself a copy at thisisthebook.com. Again, thisisthebook.com. And when it asks for a code near the top of the page in relation to the enlightened book, just use the code best ever you all lowercase and all spelled out and then you'll have an email come along just confirm on that email and the book will be immediately on its way to your inbox enjoy and i hope you have a magical day hi everyone this is shelly aka the phoenix Are you ready to be motivated, educated, entertained, and inspired? Well, you have come to the right place. Now get your pen and paper ready because you're listening to the newest episode of the Conversations with Passion radio show with your host, Corey Poirier. Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and I'm excited to be back with the latest episode and edition of the Conversations with Passion radio show. Really excited to have a brand new and first time guest with us today, uh, Milana Lashinsky. So excited to have you here today. And I think the starting point, Milana, and it's usually where we start with these uh, with these conversations, is to perhaps get you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your your backstory. So our listeners that maybe haven't heard of you before, or maybe are just discovering you today, or even the ones that know you dearly, uh, can learn a little bit more about your background. Yeah, so uh, I I guess most people who know me will know that I am um, uh, coming from the former Soviet Union. Now, it's been 25 years, and I still keep saying that. I don't know, maybe I should stop saying that. Uh, But that's kind of, you know, once you come to a new country from another country, it's one of the defining features that you think of your of your identity right it's like you came from another country um so that's uh, you know a big part of me and i came actually as a classically trained musician so i had to learn a whole new world here not only culturally but also professionally and what i ended up doing is going to college for computer information systems became briefly became a programmer and then immediately knew it was not my passion and I discovered this whole other world of uh, marketing, coaching, entrepreneurship. And I think that that's a great cross uh, in terms of, you know, the passion and creativity that uh, is connecting the dots with my music background. So I think that that's why I love it so much and the creative part of being an entrepreneur. So that's kind of in brief. And um, last year, I actually um, left a company and I left it at the peak of its development uh, as far as financially. We have crossed over a million dollar mark in revenue for the first time ever um, in that business. And so I walked away, <laughs> which might actually sound weird and strange. And a lot of my friends questioned it. They were confused, but um, I'm happy to talk more about it. But I started a new business uh, without a business partner and um and so I'm, I'm loving what i'm doing right now and i'm uh, excited about a slightly slower pace of life and my company is now called simplicity circle uh, which is all about simplicity entrepreneurship uh, trend maybe it's not a trend trend is kind of like temporary this is really something that is here to stay uh, because it's all about 
building and scaling your business um, while keeping it as simple as possible without the cost of your independence, your peace of mind, your health relationships and things like that. So that's where I am today. Wow. So, so many directions I'd love to go from there. And, and I guess you hit the sort of nail on the head uh, with, with one of them when you mentioned we can talk about that in terms of the uh, walking away for the business. And, you know, so I guess my, my main question rated right of that is, are you able to share a little bit more about what led to that decision? Because that's um, obviously a lot of people listening right away would go, wow. I mean, I don't know if I could do that. And, and I'm sure whenever you did that, and as you mentioned, where you guys were reaching as far as goals, you were probably closer uh, to the goals that you set for yourself than you had been before. So was it an easy decision or is it something that had to be done? Or I'm just curious, you know, how much you can share with us, but just the, what the thought process was. It was actually a pretty painful decision. I didn't want to leave, but my body was telling me it was time to go. I actually started having panic attacks um, about a year and a half leading up to my leaving. I started having these, what I used to call them episodes. I didn't know what they were, but every time I would do some things in my business, um, you know, a lot of the things that I had to do in my business would result in panic attacks and I couldn't understand why. And I started working with a, you know, a couple of people, professionals, coaches. Um, and I discovered that I was actually more stressed out and overwhelmed than I knew myself. My body knew, but I didn't. And so that constant mental chatter, uh, constant mental anxious thinking about my business uh, constantly that that consistent um, overwhelm maybe or uh, chaos I don't know what how to describe it but we were constantly either launching or delivering or creating from one event to the next from event to a new program from a program to another launch new projects new programs 17 people on the team it's not something that I think I wanted in my life. And, and I, which is funny because my, I, I wanted, I thought I wanted that kind of business, but uh, apparently it didn't quite work out the way I thought it was. And, and I was also working with a business partner and partnership is tough. I see people who love each other, who are best friends, go their separate way as a result of working together. So, you know, I just watched my two best friends who came together in a partnership two years ago, um, separated. And I was shocked because I thought if anybody can make it work, it's these two people. Um, so it's not easy to work with a business partner, especially when you have, when you both have type A personalities, when you both are ambitious and overachievers and you want to create a successful company and your vision just doesn't align with one another. So I think that that was part of my um, anxiousness on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, it was not easy to leave a, a seven-figure business and yet I didn't see any, any other choice. I knew that for me, staying meant to continue to deal with um, that burnout, panic attacks, and I didn't want that. So I signed my half sold my half over to my business partner, woke up the next morning sitting in my armchair and thinking, now what? I've never not had a business or a job. 
I've just always been going, 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 going. You know, it's either college or a job or my own business or this business or. So yeah, I was. I had uh, a few months of weirdness, of nothingness. <laughs> I was asking questions like, "Can you be an entrepreneur without a business?" <laughs> That's where I was last year. Wow! And so you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to ask about that, and I even asked uh, that question about, was it uh, was it hard to leave something that you had felt you wanted before that, was because one of the things that we've discovered on this show is that we interview people and, and talk about you know, what, what, let's say, success means to them. And what's interesting is what success means to most of the people that we've interviewed. And as you can probably imagine, the answers are different. But really, it comes back to things all the time, like time freedom, fulfillment, things like that. But it never comes back around to financial targets or money. And so I find it interesting that mostly growing up, we're told and or we feel that it's about having, you know, let's say hitting a target of X amount of dollars, but the people that have hit the targets that they thought were going to make the difference or make them happy typically go on to discover it's something else altogether that makes them happy. So I was just curious, you know, what happened whenever you sort of hit a target that you had been aiming for and thought was going to be the be all end all that allowed you also to walk away from that? Yeah, that's actually a great question, Corey, because I had always wanted to make a million dollars because I thought that once I hit a million dollars, it'll be, it'll feel like a million dollars, right? It's like this, the holy grail of any business, especially in online um, entrepreneurship, you want to hit that seven figure mark. And I did. And it didn't feel like a million dollar business because I didn't even realize that I hit seven figures until my accountant said that to me four months later. Um, um, I, I was just too busy working and looking for ways to grow beyond. What was interesting is, I don't know, maybe it's human nature. Maybe it's like that for everybody. I'm not sure. Um, but what I'm finding is that no matter how much money you make, it's not going to be enough if that is your goal. You always want to make more. You know, when I was, um, when I graduated from college, I had $2,000 in my bank account. And then it would get depleted by all my bills. And the next month I would get another paycheck and I would get another $2,000 into my banking account. And I don't remember being less happy. I just, I don't remember that that in any way affected my level of happiness. Then I started a business and I hit six figures and I was ecstatic. Now that I remember really well <laughs> because I hit a six figure income level. I took my family to the fanciest restaurant ever in Baltimore. And that was very memorable. In fact, it was a lot more memorable than hitting six, seven figures because I just didn't even realize I was doing that. Um, you know, I, I reached that level. And so it didn't feel like anything special. Angels didn't sing. <laughs> rainbow didn't appear. It was no different than hitting really any uh, particular mark. And it's funny because when I say that to people, they laugh and say, okay, okay, let me find out for myself. <laughs> let me make seven figures and then I'll tell you how it feels. Maybe if I won a million dollars, it would feel like a million dollars. But when you have to work, you know, 60 to 70 hours a week to get there, it's not good. And there was one morning when I woke up, um, you know, a couple of months before I left, and I realized that today I'm going to get up and work on my launch. 
And then when I'm done with the launch, we're going to deliver the program that we delivered last year. And then after the program is over, we're going to do the live event. And then when I come back home from the live event, I'm going to start developing the next program and the next launch. And suddenly I just had this hit me. Like, is that all there is? Is this what my life is? Hitting the next goal and the next program and the next launch. And I got, and I lost my inspiration and I wasn't sure why I was doing it anymore. So it didn't feel good. I just didn't feel like that's what I wanted to do. And what I discovered since, by the way, is that it had very little to do with overwhelm. It had to do with being overwhelmed with things I didn't enjoy doing. I wasn't really leveraging what my talents were, what my genius was, or I call them super skills now. It, you know, a lot of people think that it's just the burnout that I work too hard, not quite like that. Because when you love what you're doing, you don't mind working hard. It's just, it doesn't feel exactly like work. You're just enjoying what you're doing. But I was doing a lot of things in my work that I didn't enjoy. And no matter how hard I work, we could not grow beyond a certain level. Like, um, just didn't get the results that I expected after having put more hours, more time, more ideas and thoughts into what I was doing. So. I can keep talking. <laughs> no, I, no I, 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 love, I love exploring this. And so I'm going to take us in a bit of a different direction, but I know we'll come back around to some of the things you hit on there as well, Ilana, which is about passion and, and even the definition of success. I may ask you your definition now that you've you know, seen the difference. But before we go there, there's something that sort of, I guess I've been struggling with lately that I'd love to get your take on in relation to, I'll just, I'll use the example, let's say, of online marketing, lead generation, things like that in terms of copy. And, and so since you've had the experience of being at different levels, I'd just love to get your take on it. But essentially, it's around the idea that, and you see this all the time, and you know which marks you're at at certain points, but you see people all the time marketing something, for example, you know, I'll, uh, uh, let's say as an example, are you tired of this? Are you tired of that? Let me show you how to get to seven figures. And, you know, this is something that, that I end up seeing on the back end because of some of the businesses I have that are lower cost of entry, where I'll be talking to those same people who just put this thing out saying, let me show you how to become a millionaire. And they're asking me on a, an item, let's say this $200, can I spread it over five payments? And so what I'm getting at is on the front end, they're marketing themselves as the be all end all. And on the other side, I'm seeing a different story. And I see it as well on the speaking side, let's say, uh, you know, I train speakers and I see other people that are out there putting out a program saying, let me teach you how to get paid to speak from the stage. And then coming to me saying, um, can I pick your brain? And then I get in the phone and they're saying, can you teach me how to get paid to speak on the stage? But they're marketing themselves as somebody that is going to do that. My question is, you must have seen that where, you know, you guys, once you hit seven figures, you could promote copy and saying, you love to, us to show you how we reach seven figures, but you see other people that are marketing themselves that are there and you know, deep down they're not, or you've learned they're not. Is that frustrating from a, uh, let's say, looking at a client being served point of view? Yeah. So what you're saying is that they are selling solutions that they are not, that they have not themselves have mastered, or maybe they're struggling financially as well from what I, um, I heard you say. Yeah. So they're saying that for instance, like I say, they're earning a, a seven figure speaking mm -hmm. income, let's say, but then they're asking me, you know, can you 
take the $200 payment, let's say for a sponsorship yeah. and split it over five yeah. months. And I get it. I mean, what I see when I left the company, my partnership last year, I started interviewing, um, you know, after about a couple of months of feeling very depressed and sad for myself and not having anything to do. I started interviewing um, entrepreneurs who I thought were, were very successful. What I saw in the, in behind the scenes is that, you know, these were private interviews, private conversations, so I can't name the names, but I will say that a lot of them are burnt out um, in terms of the level of excitement and inspiration that they're feeling. It's like they've been doing things the same way for a long time, um, and they built a monster of a business, and they can't walk away from it. In fact, I had people tell me, I'm so jealous that you just walked away. I wish I could walk away, but I can't because I have this team, I have these clients. So what I saw on, on, the, on the kind of behind the scenes are people who are frustrated. On the front end, they're marketing uh, themselves and their programs as the solution to whatever problem they're solving. But behind the scenes, they're struggling to maintain that level of excitement about their business. And that is not good because how long are, are they going to be in business? I know that some people that you and I both know have walked away from their businesses this year. And, um, you know, many people were surprised. But the other thing is what I discovered is actually when you see somebody say, this is the fastest and easiest way to grow your business or to get to seven figures, what I learned is that it's the fastest and easiest way for them. Hmm. And just because they say that doesn't mean that it's going to work for me. That is my, this is, this is why my company is called Simplicity Circle. I discovered that that's where simplicity lies. Simplicity lies, you know, in your own natural abilities, in your own super skills. For example, and we may, may not know what our super skills are, or, or we might know, but we don't know how to leverage them into a, a profitable business. But I discovered this thing called teleseminar years ago. And I taught my very first teleseminar, had a couple of people um, on the line. And I really enjoyed that experience. It was fun. I taught. I got to teach. And I love teaching. And so then I thought, let me sign up for teleclass, teleseminar leader training. So I signed up for that. Went through um, five-week training to become a teleseminar leader. Loved it led my next teleseminar, had 25 people on it, sold seven web design packages. So I got seven clients to create websites for. And I thought, wow, this is great. I taught, so I enjoyed myself, and I made money. Let me find out a little more about it. Um, you know, long story short, 10 years later, I conducted a, a webinar, you know, when teleseminars evolved into webinars, and I generated half a million dollars from a webinar. That is super skills. That is something that I took because I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I developed my skills further. At the same time, I was also trying to learn how to speak from stage and sell. And I spent 11 years doing that. And I took trainings with one person after another. I bought one program after another. And even 11 years later, I still found myself struggling with that strategy. So if you think about it, you could spend years and years and years trying to strengthen your weaknesses, trying to follow some guru who tells you you need to do certain things, or you can improve and strengthen your strengths. Can I speak from stage? Yes. Can I sell a little bit? Maybe. 
<laughs> is it going to be a strategy that I build my entire business around? Absolutely not. And yet some people are very successful with speaking as a strategy. I know that you teach people how to do that successfully. And if you're, if they come to you with an already, um, you know, if they're feeling drawn to this, see, I never felt drawn to speaking and selling from stage. It's just something that people told me I had to learn. So I pushed myself to do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, 11 years later, where I got my most biggest results was from teaching webinars and teleseminars. That is where my sweet spot is. And so I wish that people would have stopped, would stop saying, this is the fastest and easiest way to build your business. It may be for you. Sure. Also, when you follow a guru, you don't know what journey they had to go through. There's a person who runs a very successful business, probably works a ton of hours because every time I watch his videos, he's got these um, big blue circles under his eyes. You and I both know this person. Um, very successful media personality, speaks, uh, you know, amazing communication skills, always curses on stage. <laughs> Just a very, you know, very bold personality. You have no idea what that person had to sacrifice in his life to get where he was. He had to travel, um, you know, 30 weeks out of the year. He had to work 200 hours a month, uh, a, a week to get where he was. So when you're looking at somebody's success and you want to imitate that person from the outside, think about the fact that you don't know what they really had to go through to get to the point of that success, because chances are you are not willing to do that. Yeah, there's so, I mean, there's so many great points in there, Milana, in terms of, you know, when you mentioned as far as, uh, I even think about in terms of whether a person's willing or not to do it, I hear so many people come up to me and say, you're so lucky you get to travel so much. And, and I often say to those people, you know what, uh, if you want to trade me and live out of a suitcase for a month, you may like it, but most people think it's awesome because they're used to two weeks vacation where they get to travel and it's exciting. But traveling for a month when you're living on the road, living out of a hotel, and you're not actually doing the vacation stuff is not the same. So it's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you knew that, uh, but uh, in 2005, I actually held the world's very first telesummit. So I came up with the word telesummit. Uh, um, I never copyright protected it or anything or trademarked it. So the word telesummit became, um, you know, really big. And now it evolved into the concept of virtual summits. But the initial idea behind the telesummit was that I had two small children and I couldn't travel to all these business and coaching events that I wanted to. So I chose to create my own event and to do it virtually. It turned out that thousands of other people in the coaching industry couldn't or wouldn't travel for whatever reason either. And those are the people who became my customers. And I uh, just remember getting hundreds of unsolicited uh, Bravo emails from people who were able to come together in this amazing event um, and you know, experience all these um, industry experts and industry leaders. But that's, you know, not everybody wants to travel. And so um, maybe that's not the vision that you have for your life. So design your business around your vision, your personality, um, your natural abilities, your super skills, 
things that you truly want to see uh, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you make if you don't get to use it to enjoy life, to have an impact on the world that you want to make, right? So yeah, money kind of, it's great. You can't live without it. And I've experienced different levels of money, but I will say that I don't remember that my level of happiness went up with the level of income that I experienced. It was like a temporary euphoria. <laughs> Yay, I'm at six figures. Great, now what? Yay, I'm at seven figures. Okay, now what? You know, it's like uh, maybe one day of celebration, uh, recognition of that level of income, but then you kind of, uh, you get adjusted. You get used to whatever you, wherever you are. So Milana, I want to switch directions, but just as a as sort of a recap of, you know, for I'm thinking for that listener who's saying, okay, so what are my takeaways so far? And even for me, what I've been writing down, um, and, and I mentioned that uh, it's something that's a common thread I've noticed in my interviews, but that it's not all about the money. And sometimes what you think is the Holy Grail, when you get there, you might realize it was not your Holy Grail after all. Um, I also heard from you about the importance of doing what's authentic to you. And then also, of course, uh, find and work mostly in your genius or your super skill zone. And why I think that is significant as well is when I was in school, I was really pushed around this idea of, of work, on your, work on your weaknesses and ignore your strengths because you're already good in them. And then I get out of school and I start interviewing high achievers and I find they're doing the exact opposite, which is that they're focusing on their super skills or genius zone and in a lot of cases hiring for their weaknesses. So it's, it's, it's a hard thing sometimes for people that, haven't seen that switch, but I will say it's a common thread among entrepreneurs is that they truly, I'm not entrepreneurs in general, but the highly successful entrepreneurs focus on their genius zone. Yeah, I actually believe that the president of National Speakers Association said this quote, which I always, uh, I can't remember the name of the person who said that, probably need to Google that, but um, they said that uh, if you focus on strengthening your weaknesses at the end of your life you will end up with a lot of strong weaknesses <laughs> and i thought that was hilarious because yeah what's the point what's the point of us trying to improve our weaknesses maybe you can improve them a little bit but the, the question is how do you know what the weakness is uh because you haven't worked on it or it's your weakness because it's just not nat your natural ability and the answer lies in what do you feel drawn to like you know hand on your heart do you feel drawn to this particular strategy that somebody is doing and you really want to try it? Like if you really feel attracted and you want to try it, do it. But I will say that if you build your business around something, an activity or strategy that you consistently have to do and it's not in your natural ability, that's when you end up confused, frustrated, burned out, overwhelmed. You start feeling inadequate as an entrepreneur and as a marketer, you get, a feeling of self-doubt all the time, right? Because you're pushing, you're grinding, you're forcing yourself to do certain things. On the other hand, if you are drawn to something and you build your business growth strategy around that natural ability, uh, around the super skills where the results come with ease and with flow, then basically you just get paid for waking up and being you. And that feels a lot better as a lifestyle than constantly pushing and nudging. And this may actually, this wisdom came to me after I turned 40. <laughs> I was talking to my 23 year old son and I was saying, 
you're filling your day with all these activities. You go to work, he works at MIT. So he's very busy, very um, high level projects, uh, you know, in engineering. And then he comes home and he takes improv lessons at the local theater. He does dance lessons, he competes, he takes classes at MIT. Uh, and then he is applying to grad schools um, all over the East Coast. So he filled his days with stuff to do. And I say to him, don't you want to slow down? And then, I, and of course, he says no. And I remember that when I was in my 20s, I really didn't care that much about filling my days. Um, my, you know, I felt like that's what I wanted to do. I want to, I'm an overachiever. I want to accomplish as much as possible. So this wisdom may not hit, may not resonate with people who are in their 20s or maybe with people in their 30s. I think it comes with um, a level of, I don't know, maturity or lifestyle when you realize that you don't want to work all the time. So now, Milana, just before I switch gears and bring us to our three questions that we ask everybody as we wind down, uh, can you tell us, because you're talking you know, obviously about this, this life experience that you had and the idea of simplicity. So can you tell us what, you know, simplicity, because I know we've, we've talked about it. We've talked uh, sort of around it. We've also highlighted some of the areas, but what does this mean to you? Like, what do you now teach people? What did, what did you take from this experience around simplicity that you bring to other people? Yeah. So um, everything you do in your business, either takes you further in the direction that you're going to, grow with ease or it takes you away from the business that is meant to be designed for you and so having simplicity or understanding the principles of simplicity simply means that you get to uh, decide which things to say no to based on your understanding of your super skills it's very easy to get distracted and uh, pay attention to all those new trends and shiny objects and this launch and this new program and this new idea if you don't really know what your business should look like so like wh when I work with people in my programs uh, what we do is we identify their super skills and then we translate their super skills into a business model into a uh, marketing strategy, marketing plan that is designed specifically for them as a person. I have an assessment called uh, Unique Marketing Personality. So they go through that assessment and it tells them what kind of business model they need to be building as a teacher, as a builder, as a connector, or as a champion. And if you are, say, a teacher and you're trying to build your business as a connector, you're going to feel like you're running an obstacle course every single day of your business frustrated you're going to feel like you're not born to be an entrepreneur on the other hand if you apply the strategies that are created specifically for you as a teacher that you're going to get results with ease you're going to love what you do and so simplicity means aligning your business activities and your business model with what is natural to you your natural abilities but also your natural tendencies what do you do when left to your own devices? A lot of people don't ever ask this question. What do you do when you are left to your own natural devices, to your own devices, right? Like some people tend to um, connect people. So they're a connector and there's a certain 
set of strategies for them to grow a business. And some people create systems and build products and develop frameworks. That's more like me. <laughs> you know, that's why I have hundreds of products that I developed over the years and people are shocked to learn that. So yeah, designing your business around your natural abilities is what gives you that simplicity uh, and keeps your business simple. And, and every business uh, is going to be different because they're based on your unique personality. Does that make sense, Corey? Yeah, it, it does. Absolutely, 100%. And so I guess then uh, I mentioned I wanted to sort of take us to a, a bit of a gear shift in terms of direction. And this is mainly because I'd love to get your thoughts on some of these things that we like to ask every guest we bring on the show. But um, first of all, we talked earlier about passion. And, you know, you talked about doing what you love and, and your genius zone and things like that. So it's a perfect, I think, segue to ask you, do you think it's important for a person to uncover or discover whether, whatever name you put on it, passion, purpose, your calling, whatever it is, do you think it's important to find that? And if so, why? I think it's absolutely important, but not necessarily at the beginning, because at the beginning of your business, you need to make money and get clients and prove to yourself that um, there is something that you have or know that other people want. So maybe early on, unless you already know what your passion is, um, it's not that much of a priority. I would say when I first started my business, I was a web designer. Is web design my passion? No, I haven't done it in years, but I had to discover it through the work that I did as a web designer. So at the beginning, it's not as important, but eventually you want to get there. And why it's important is for sustainability. If it's something that you love doing, you will do more of it. And if it's something that you're not passionate about, you will constantly hit some type of resistance in your business and you won't know why. You won't be able to put your finger on it, but it'll feel like it's just not moving forward. It's not growing. Clients are not connecting with you. It's because you're not coming from a place of passion. So sustainability, sustainable business growth, that's where it comes from, your passion. So follow-up question to that, and we talked about this in, in a quite a bit of depth, but I never asked you the direct question, but now that you've been through the journey you've been through, uh, how do you define success for you? I, I definitely asked that question after I left the business because I thought success meant having a seven-figure business um, and achieving it all by yourself, you know, like how you have achieved, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> um, success since then really has changed for me. I think the biggest transformation I experienced as a result of, the, of that um, departure from that company was that I don't want to do what I don't want to do. I mean, you can make a million dollars in a million different ways. Why not find a way that you love? So for me, success is definitely um, doing what I love, but also having that financial stability because what I, I love playing with ideas. Um, I love experimenting and innovating to see what people will respond to, but I can't do that if I don't have a financial grounding. So I think that success to me is having the financial stability to play with ideas that you're, you want to uh, try and, you know, without feeling the stress uh, and the pressure, the financial pressure of having to do something because you need money. Maybe there is a better way of saying that, but that's how I see it. No, that, that's, that's, it. that's perfect to me. And uh, it makes sense. And I think, like I said, everybody's success definition is somewhat different. There's common themes, but I've discovered that there's certainly 
um, there's certainly a difference in terms of how people define it. So yours is perfect for you. Awesome. I love it. So my last uh, official question, and then I'm simply going to ask, this is the heads up, going to ask you how we can connect with you and learn more. But uh, before we go there, my last official question is simply, if you could sit across from a younger version of yourself, I mean, you mentioned giving advice to your, your 23 year old son and, and chatting with him at least. Um, but if you could sit across from a younger version of yourself, you can pick the timeline but let's say it was 16 or 18 or at some pivotal point in your life and give her a piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the year since, what do you think you might tell her? Don't partner. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually have my book uh, that I wrote 10 years ago. It's called Coaching Millions. Um, Help more people make more money, live your ultimate lifestyle. It's still available at Amazon. I no longer run that business, but the reason I mentioned it, Corey, is because there is a section in there called A Letter to Myself where I wrote a letter to myself. And as I reread it recently, what I say is kind of stay patient, stay the, stay the uh, path. Um, I wouldn't have changed a lot um, because I wouldn't have known that I am not a good business partner. I don't make a good business partner if I hadn't partnered, right? There's sometimes you have to try things to know that you don't want those things. And so at this point, I would say, um, follow the next step that shows up to you. Um, There is a very famous speech by Steve Jobs called Join Up the Dots, where he was talking about how every single thing he experienced in his youth, whether it's taking a calligraphy course or, or leaving college or meeting somebody or being adopted, Every single thing in his youth somehow connected to his success as the Steve Jobs. So you never know where you're going to make that connection. When I first, when I left the company last year, uh, the partnership, I spent three months writing music again. And I recorded something professionally and I had it arranged for three instruments by a friend of mine. And I, it would have never happened. That beautiful, gorgeous piece of music uh, would have never come out in the world if I didn't feel the pain that I felt as a result of leaving the business, if I didn't play piano or compose music. In fact, it's, it's available on my website at milano.com if you want to listen to it. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. I just stay the course. It's okay. At the end, it will all be okay. That's what I would say to myself. Awesome. Well, I think uh, that is fairly significant and profound advice. So love that. And so Milana, my last question, as I mentioned, it's the unofficial question, but maybe the most important is simply how could we uh, connect with you, learn more, find out about uh, all the work you're doing now. Somebody listening wants to simplify their life or business. Where would you send them? Mainly just looking for that hub where you would send people to connect with you. Yeah, so simplicitycircle.com is my hub, as you call it, Um, you know, where you, there is a simplicity, the simplicity principle, there is a free book, it also comes with an assessment called Simplicity Scale, Um, if you feel like you've been trapped in complexity in your business, and it's not growing as fast or as easily as you think, maybe you're trapped in complexity, and that assessment really looks at the different areas of your business and tells you Um, a little bit more about where you may be trapped, where you may be feeling stuck. 
So that would be at simplicitycircle.com. And um, the project that I'm working on right now, which I'm very passionate about, is bringing back the idea of virtual summits because so many people, since the invention of telesummits back in 2005, so many people have got it wrong. It's like it's lost in translation. Uh, they're doing it for, you know, for wrong reasons. They are uh, uh, blackmailing their speakers into promoting them. And it's, ah, it's just, it's become a really, um, uh, you know, wrong way of doing um, summit. So I'm, I'm passionate about that. And um, I'm going to be launching a program called Summits Made Simple next year. So that's something to watch for as well. I don't have a website for it yet, but simplicitycircle.com is the hub, and that's where you're going to uh, also learn about anything else I've had. Awesome stuff. Well, Milana, I knew without without even guessing, I knew this was going to be an absolute pleasure, and uh, I also knew that uh, you were going to deliver so many, as uh, as some of the other podcasters would call them, value bombs today. <laughs> and so thank you so much for your time, for joining us for delivering so much amazing insight. Uh, with, my, with your permission, I'll call it a to be continued because I also know we scratched the surface barely. And also, as you mentioned, there's going to be new things coming out from you, especially on this new journey. Uh, so I'd love to call it a to be continued, but also at the same time, not take away from thanking you for making this possible today. Well, that's all, folks. That's another great show with a few great concepts and ideas that might be just what you need to get your ball rolling. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd like to thank a few people for helping make this show possible. IB Trade Show. Go to ibtradeshow.com. Engaged Leadership. Go to in-engaged.ca. Permadry. Guaranteed solutions for leaky basements. Go to permadry.com. Sites and Bytes. Your site for great service. Sitesandbytes.ca. Oxford Learning, never stop learning. Go to OxfordLearning.com. Smile Dog, your receptionist. Go to SmileDog.ca. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of Corey Poirier, I am Marco Kelly, and this has been Conversations with Passion. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>